0: Welcome to Victory Christian Center. You're about to hear from our senior pastor, Pastor Stefan Schlugel, as he brings a message on a Sunday service. Praise God. Wow, it's good to be together in the presence of God. Some of us have already been in our meeting, in another meeting this morning. You know, we have a prayer meeting uh, starting at 9.30 to 10 o'clock. We call it the meeting before the meeting. And, uh, and uh, I'd really encourage you, if you can, come down a bit early and join us in our early uh, morning prayer meeting, early morning at 9.30. It's not that early, but uh, it's just always a wonderful time of prayer together. Uh, half an hour is about what we pray for, 25 minutes, half an hour. And then we have our time of fellowship, cup of tea and what have you, and getting ready for the second meeting. So this is the second meeting this morning. All right. And I'm finding that in our, in our meeting before the meeting, we, we, we are praying, but I'm finding myself just, uh, you know, there's a scripture in the book of Isaiah that says, They that wait upon the Lord, they shall renew their strength. They shall rise up with wings as eagles. They shall run and not be weary. They shall walk and they shall not faint. And I'm finding myself just walking around in the presence of God. And, and, you know, we've got different people leading the the prayer and just uh, waiting upon the Lord. You know, there's different prayer meetings for different things. But that one particularly, I'm finding myself just uh, sometimes not even praying about anything specifically other than just you know, being in the presence of God and just waiting on the Lord, waiting upon the Lord. And it's like saying, Lord, uh, I'm waiting upon you in the first meeting so that I know what to, what you want to do in the second meeting. And this is the second meeting. All right. So praise God. Uh, hallelujah. I know some of you understand exactly what we are talking about. So I really encourage you uh, to step into that. Uh, and as Peter mentioned before, the need for prayer has never been as great as what it is today. And we are praying into multiple things uh, and uh, just trusting God in a number of fronts. I'm also happy to tell you that we had high activity going on here during the week. Uh, Starting Tuesday, we're getting scaffold towers set up and getting our ceiling uh, company coming in to remove some of the ceiling in the front here to make room for the engineers to do their thing to hang our our new fixing beams for our new sound system. So that job is now completed. Uh, And some of you might be wondering about all these cables out of the dangling down well for a couple of weeks. That's what it'll be, uh, and we're working with our sound engineer now uh, to get the sound system delivered, installed, uh, and operational. And we're hoping it's not too far away. So we, <laughs> you know, as we've talked about it now for months, and uh, but some of these wheels they turn slower than what we would like them to turn, but they are turning. Okay, things are happening. Much of it just in the background until suddenly, you know, in one week you get some movement going on. So really pleased that that. That's uh, coming into fruition shortly. And then what that means is once our new sound system is uh, going to be installed, uh, we are absolutely trusting God that the sound will be very surround sound and very gentle and doable, um, not as harsh as what we got right now. So what that means is once the new sound system is installed, some of you folk down the back can move towards the front a bit closer, and that'll be wonderful. I'd really like to have you a little bit closer. And uh, this is assuming that some of you are down the back because it might be a bit too loud for you down the front, but all of that's going to be fixed, and this is all good news. Anyway, I trust you're ready for the Word this morning. Uh, we're going to launch out right now, and if you haven't got an outline in your hand, just wave your hand around, and let's trust God once again that He will speak to us through the teaching and the preaching of the Word. Let's just pray right now as uh, uh, outlines are being handed out, and let's get ready uh, in our heart to Hear what the Lord is saying to us today, Heavenly Father. We once again, Lord, we want to thank you for your presence uh, here today. That Lord, we're in your presence and we're conscious of your presence. That your love is present, Lord. Your 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 power is present, Lord, to do wonderful things in our lives. Lord, you're here to strengthen us. You're here to 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 heal. You're here to lift burdens off of people's lives. And we thank you, Lord, that uh, your word is living and powerful. And once again, it is sharper than a two-edged sword. We expect to hear from heaven today as we open the good book. And Lord, you're instructing us. You're reminding us of things that we already know. And Lord, you are showing us new things that we've never seen before, that our revelation, deeper, that our faith grows higher and stronger. And we thank you, Lord, that you're getting us ready, Lord, for the end time harvest of souls that needs to be reaped and uh, people that need to be reached in Jesus' name. Amen. Praise God. And at this point in time, I also want to welcome our Internet audience. Once again, we are thrilled that you're able to join us this morning for this live stream. Uh, or Whether that is the case or whether you uh, access the message at a later stage, welcome. It's wonderful for us to be together. The title of this morning's message is "Divine Healing in God's Covenant." Divine healing in God's covenant, and uh, we have a subtitle here, as we many times do, and uh, that is communion and bodily healing. And very shortly, uh, once we get into the scriptures, and I've got a lot of scriptures today, once we get into the scriptures, it'll you'll think like you're in a communion service, and in in some respects, we are, you know. And uh, so, I want to talk about healing, divine healing. Uh, bodily healing, physical healing uh, from the perspective of that it is in God's covenant. You know, it's wonderful for us to hear and to know when somebody gets healed and we hear a testimony and it's encouraging and it's, it's faith-building and everything, but I want to keep on coming back to the Word because if we can be encouraged by hearing that somebody got healed when sometimes somebody else is prayed for and they didn't immediately get healed, then suddenly, you know, people's faith rises and people's faith sort of drops, uh, as it were. But when we go to the Word, it is always consistent, all right? And the Bible says that faith comes by hearing, and we need to hear the good news that we read in the Word of God concerning all aspects uh, of the blessings of God. Uh, And, of course, right now we want to focus on healing, divine healing. It is a truth that we cycle through periodically. And looking back, uh, some of you will recognize these titles here. We sometimes shuffle the words around a little bit, but it's the same truth that we keep on, uh, you know, bringing to, to, our, uh, to the forefront, as it were. Uh, because one thing I found is that healing, in order for healing to be uh, flowing in my life if I need it, and when I reach out, we need to have faith for that. And faith does come by hearing. The other thing that we are conscious of is, like, I'm going to start this series, and then Pastor Vanessa is going to carry on. Um, in a couple of weeks time and uh, we really feel that it is time for us to build our faith in this area. There's a great need for healing uh, for the nations, healing for the nation, not just for Christian people. You know, we are conscious that there are literally thousands of people, thousands uh, that have been damaged by what's called the C-19 jab were shot and they all need healing uh, and they don't know where to go. Uh, Yet God's got healing available for them and and so all around, I'm also conscious that as we're moving further and deeper into end times, you know, the Bible speaks in the book of Revelation about plagues that are coming. Now, at that stage, when it speaks about, you know, Revelation chapter 5, 6, 7 onwards and so forth, we're no longer here. At that stage, we've already gone to heaven through the rapture. But as we're moving in deeper, we can expect, uh, you know, certain things to come around. And, of course, some of these plagues, today they call them. Viruses, you know, they the, the Bible calls it plagues. Uh, some of these were actually just pretend ones. Uh, they were not as scary as what they made out to be. Uh, Whereas others that are coming, they are scary. And uh, either way, our faith needs to be high. You and I, as God's people, we are not operating out of fear. You know, some of these reports that we've heard three years ago, that was all just to generate fear into people, to bring people into bondage. But we are not a people of fear. We are a people of faith. The Bible tells us that God has not given us a spirit of fear, but He's given us a spirit of power and of love and of a sound mind. Hallelujah. We are the people with a sound mind. Hallelujah, we're not the fearful ones. Uh, we've got a sound, a disciplined mind, the spirit of power that God's put on the inside of us. So we walk by faith and not by sight. And I just nearly got ready to start preaching. I tell you, I get excited when I talk about these things. But these are real issues. Uh, and things that are going on inside the, uh, you know, the church and with God's people and outside of, the, um, outside of the church where people need healing. And so this is one of the reasons why we want to move into that and really, you know, re- redevelop our faith in this area. You know, it's been said that it is a good thing to build our faith in times of peace so that Our faith is working in times of war. And the reality is we are in a war. We're not in in New Zealand. We're not in a physical war with, you know, with guns and tanks and who knows what. But we are in a spiritual war for sure. And there is a war against the church of the Lord Jesus Christ. And it's never been as intense in living memory that I can remember as what it is today. And uh, see, the devil wants to shut us down. Um, And, you know, just... Purely on the front, if you watch legislation that is being passed and has been passed for the last several years, uh, it's just gradually trying to shut the church down so we can no longer preach the gospel and call people to repentance or call them to to come for healing because of different things that will be made illegal in time to come. So we will not be uh, led into bondage, my friend. We are not going to let the devil shut us down. Uh, You know, the more he tries to shut us down, the louder we preach. Hallelujah. And the more he tries to drive us into the corner, the bolder we come out to lay hands on sick people and see them recover and to preach the gospel of Jesus Christ so that people can be saved and uh, ultimately go to heaven. So this is where we are today. We want to make a start with this new series and uh, have a fresh look at this whole area um, and look, as I said before, specifically about healing in the covenant that God has established for us. You see, a covenant, we'll uh, touch on that very shortly. A covenant is the strongest binding agreement that is known to man today, and God's made a covenant with us. He's drawn us into covenant with Him, so we are covenant partners with God, all right? It's not a contract. It's not just a simple agreement that can be broken or a contract where people can, you know, try to wick- wiggle out of it because of all the fine print that's in there, in the covenant there is no fine print all right God's always for us God always loves us he will never withdraw his love from us all right so there's wonderful things available to you and to me you know as bible believing uh, Christians we believe in the full redemptive acts of Jesus Christ that he achieved through his sacrificial suffering and through his atoning death on the cross, and I know some of these words you know the theologians use them and, and so forth, but sometimes it 's good to learn some of these things if we want to get into the depth of the revelation that is available to us today. We need to wrestle with some of these terms and uh, begin to learn them and understand them. You know God makes a covenant with his people, uh, and always has done all the way along god 's made a covenant with abraham god 's made a covenant with the whole nation of israel god 's made a covenant with with Noah. And, uh, you know, the, the rainbow that we see today, that's the sign of the covenant that God made with Noah. See, God is a covenant-making God. God made a covenant with David, King David, who says, if you serve me, and, and, and you know, put various uh, sort of stipulations on this, says they will never fail to be uh, one of your descendants that will be king in Israel in time to come. Uh, and so that's a covenant, and there's multiple covenants. And you and I today, as God's people, if we are, you know, thoroughly born again, We have a covenant with God, uh, a covenant. In fact, it is a blood covenant, as we will see very shortly. And it is the strongest binding agreement known to man today. Um, And God has put many of his blessings inside the covenant. And for that, uh, the reason being is so that you and I can have faith. We can have confidence. We can have certainty and assurance that what God has made available is available to us today. It'll be available tomorrow. It was available yesterday. God doesn't act randomly. God doesn't do random, heal one and not heal another. God is always a healer. God is all, Healing is always available. All that remains to be done is for us to receive it. And that's why we are preaching and teaching the Word of God around the area of healing so that faith can rise for everybody in everybody's heart to be able to receive that which God has already made. Available. So, in First Corinthians, I want to start here in First Corinthians, eleven, verse twenty-three. Uh, here is Paul, the apostle, um, speaking about the time when Jesus met with his disciples towards the end of his of his earthly life, uh, and uh, and uh, and he established communion, what we call today communion uh, with his disciples that were gathered around. We call it communion. We call it the Lord's table um, and, uh, you know, different terms for the same thing. And he says here, he says, uh, verse 23, he says, the Lord Jesus on the same night in which he was betrayed, he says, and when he had given thanks, he broke it. Uh, In fact, let me back up. The Lord Jesus, on the same night in which he was betrayed, took bread. And when he had given thanks, he broke it. And he said, take eat. This is my body, which is broken for you. Do this in remembrance of me. And in the same manner, he also took the cup after supper. This cup is the new covenant in my blood. Do this in remembrance of me. And so here is Jesus sitting down with his disciples, celebrating, eating the Passover meal together with them. Uh, And a little bit later on, and it's in your outline, you see the last Passover meal that Jesus shared with his disciples became the first communion meal between him and his people going forwards. And uh, so he tells us here, the Bible says he he took bread um, and he broke it and then he handed it out and he says, Take, eat. Um, He says, This is my body. This is my body. Now, the bread that Jesus broke and handed out absolutely represents his physical body that was about to be broken. Is he was going to be captured, was going to be used and abused, whipped and lashed and what have you before they hung him on the cross. Take eat. He says he handed it out, um, and uh, sometimes, you know, people think that, you know, it's like a, a loaf of bread like we might have it today in, the, in our part of the world, but, you know, they were typically flat breads. Uh, uh, if anybody can imagine what's sometimes called Lebanese bread, they were sort of flat, uh, sort of roundish, sometimes oblong. They weren't fat loaves like we have today that was sort of flat bread. He picked one up, he broke it, and handed it to his disciples, who more than likely broke it up. Themselves as they handed it down, as they sat around, you know, that table to share that passover meal together with Jesus, and he says, uh, he says, take it. This is my body, which is broken for you. The bread was broken and probably rebroken so that it was all in small pieces as, you know, as they started to eat it. And see, Jesus' body was broken. There is a kind of a word picture there, uh, a, a figurative deal going on, breaking here and breaking there. And absolutely, as we will see in a little while, if ma- many of you know the Scriptures by the time that Jesus was hung on the, gro- on the cross, there was a body that was so broken up and so messed up that he was hardly recognizable as a human being. He broke the bread, handed it out, take it, this is my body, which is broken for you. He didn't say it's it's not broken for me. He says it's broken for you. All right. Um, And it was broken for them and for us, um, and indeed uh, broken for all of humanity. um, And it was broken sacrificially, and it was broken vicariously, let me explain those two words. Uh, sacrificially meaning that Jesus Christ became the sacrifice. He was the lamb of God that was to be offered. Um, and the lamb of God is, uh, is a substitute for God's people rather than God's people dying. God picked the substitute. In the Old Testament, there were lambs and various animals that were sacrificed, but Jesus Christ came. He was the lamb of God that was to be sacrificed. Every Old Testament sacrifice that was offered up when animals were killed. They were all a a type or a shadow of Jesus Christ coming to ultimately be the Lamb of God. Not a Lamb of God, but the Lamb of God. And you know, when John the Baptist was out baptizing people in the Jordan River, and he saw Jesus coming up uh, across the, the hill, I guess, and walking down towards him, and when John saw him, he says, Behold, the Lamb of God, which takes away the sin of the world, all right, so the Lamb of God so 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 Jesus' body was broken sacrificially, and Jesus' body was broken vicariously. Now the word vicar, uh, we understand the, 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 the word vicar, or we certainly recognize it. A vicar is one who stands in the place of another. That's kind of the basic interpretation of that word. And vicariously basically means this, that it is on behalf of another, is, is our substitute, if you like. All right. And healing is available today. And actually, going right back uh, even further before Jesus died, uh, healing is available today. And and our bodies, our physical bodies being made whole, is available today because Jesus' body was broken, like that loaf of bread that he broke and handed it out to his disciples. And the amazing thing is this that in the Old Testament, everybody got healed. Physical healing, healed of pains, sicknesses, diseases, various ailments, ailments, they all were healed on credit. Abuse him and beat him and pull out his beard and smack him about the head and, and take rods to him and rips and absolutely messed him up before they finally hung him on the cross, all right? So healing, my friend, healing is available today because of that, all right? So verse 25 Jesus handed the cup around and he says this cup he says he took the cup he says he says this cup is the new covenant in my blood the new covenant in my blood and right there right there at that very moment at that Passover meal Jesus established a new covenant and he said it, it was going to be ratified or signed in his own blood. Now, that makes that a black covenant. In fact, the Bible speaks of black covenants all the way through the Old Testament. And typically in the Old Testament, it was the blood of animals that was used. Uh, and, uh, but here, it's Jesus Christ having become the Lamb of God. It was going to be his blood in which that covenant was going to be signed, as it were, ratified is a better word. And the content of that cup that passed through, that Jesus passed to his disciples, it absolutely represents the blood of Jesus that was going to be shed for the, for the remission or the forgiveness of the sins of the people. Um, and as uh, is, 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 is an aside... When we share communion today, typically we have a little waiver, we have a little, a little cup, and, and, and it's a token. Um, we call them the emblems. When they had communion, they sat down for a whole meal. All right? It was a, the, initially the Passover meal. It became the communion meal. Um, and the communion k- meal, they called it the agape you know, we understand the word agape is meaning the love of God. But that meal that they had together became the agape feast where they came together, they called it the love feast. And it was at that time that they shared communion. And, and Jesus, when, you know, when he broke bread, uh, he said, here is the bread. And then they, they ate. And then towards the end of that, it says, after supper, which was a meal after supper, he passed the cup around and he says, "Take drink." He says, "This is uh, this is the cup of the new covenant." He says, "In my blood." And so Jesus established a new covenant. And each time when we share communion together, whether that's in a meal or whether that is in a in a more of a token way with just a small you know cup and a, and a small wave, it really, it's it's not so much the size of the meal that matters. It's the meaning behind it uh, and the emblems and what they really, really represent. Was it literally the body of Jesus? No, it wasn't. It just represented the body of Jesus. Was it literally the blood of Jesus that they were drinking? No, it was, it represented the blood. Now, of course, some of us that are coming from a particular you um, know, uh, Christian tradition, uh, they have a word for uh, what they would uh, suggest is what they call trans- can not even say it now transubstantiation or something to that effect, uh, where they said that uh, at that moment uh, that bread and that that content of the cup was literally turned uh, into. Jesus' body into Jesus' blood. We do not believe that. There is no scripture that would support that notion. Uh, it was what it represented. All right, uh, They were symbols, emblems, um, figurative uh, meaning more than literal meaning. But nonetheless, very, very powerful. So again, that Passover meal that they shared together became the first communion service for Jesus' followers. And uh, what's interesting here, what I'm sort of trying to lead up to, is to say this, that Jesus right there, in his communication with his disciples. And, of course, the same communication is repeated time and time and time again as the church of the Lord Jesus Christ has met down through the last 2,000 years. The same words are repeated with the same meaning, the same powerful deal attached to it, and that is this, that Jesus included in that new covenant. He included salvation for our souls and included healing for our body. All right? Specifically. There's other things that are in that new covenant, but right there, it includes uh, salvation for our soul. Um, it includes, includes healing for our body. All right, salvation for our soul, meaning forgiveness of sins. Um, um, and he did say, he says, this blood, he says, it is, it is shed for, for the remission of your sins, the forgiveness of of your sins. This body, this bread being broken, it represents the body which is broken for you, for you, so that your body can be healed. All right. What a powerful truth. What what a what an awesome deal. And my my you know, it really for many people it's quite easy to receive healing, but you see, it's easy because Jesus has done the hard part. Wow. Um, 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 23, basically bears out the same thing in slightly different wording. It says, when Christ was reviled, he did not revile in return. This is now speaking about his time of when he was captured and tried before various courts, accused, wrongly accused, condemned, wrongly condemned. Um, and then, you know, they sort of, did everything that they did to him. He says, when he was reviled, he he did not revile in return. He just let it happen. He knew that that was the plan of God for him. Um, And uh, it says, and when when he suffered, he did not threaten, but he committed himself to him who judges Righteously, I mean, that is, committed himself to the Father who judges right, righteously. And then he goes on to say, verse 24, uh, who, meaning Jesus, himself bore our sins in his own body on the tree, that we, having died to sins, might live for righteousness, by whose stripes you were healed, Uh, One translation uses the word stripes. Another translation uses the word wounds. The stripes or the wounds that were inflicted on Jesus' body, it is by his stripes, it is by those wounds that healing is available to you and to me today. Again, this scripture here speaks of salvation for our soul and healing for our body. Salvation and healing go hand in hand. It's all part of the Salvation package. Um, I call it a package. A bit of funny word, but uh, I call it a package because it's not just getting saved and going to heaven. You know, there is uh, salvation, and that is actually the most important part, to to receive salvation for our soul, forgiveness for our sins. So when we leave this earth, we definitely end up in heaven. That's why Jesus says, you must be born again, otherwise you cannot see the kingdom of heaven. But it doesn't stop. there. It goes on uh, to speak about healing. It goes on to speak about various other blessings. But today, we're focusing mainly on healing, besides speaking about salvation. As I say, these two go hand in hand. They are Side by side. And the common here in your outline is that Christianity is based entirely on substitution. All right. Substitution. Meaning that Jesus lifted our sins off of us and put them all on our substitute, who is Jesus Christ. And then he... Suffered and he died for them. God lifted all of our sicknesses, all of our diseases. In fact, all sicknesses, diseases, pains known to mankind and laid them all on Jesus, our substitute. So that today we can be healed. And that's the deal. Healing is not just sort of out of, oh, let's heal that one or let's not heal this one. it's It's all been done. In God's mind, it's all been done. All right? Healing is available today, but in God's mind, healing was fully established 2,000 years ago when Jesus went through this whole ordeal. And as we said earlier on, everybody that got healed prior to that in the Old Testament all got healed on credit because Jesus was to come to pay the price for it all. And everybody, see, they were looking forward. Today, we look back. And we look back to the cross where Jesus Christ dealt, dealt with it all. And by the time, just before he gave up his ghost, and, and he said, it is finished. I've done everything that I needed to do. It is done. It is finished. It's all been taken care of. He done the hard part so that you and I can have the easy part of receiving salvation for our souls and healing for our body. It is as simple as somebody repenting of their sin and saying the sinner's prayer, which is just so easy. If you, if you imagine the gravity of that decision of doing that from aiming straight for hell and having to spend eternity in hell or getting saved or receiving salvation to ultimately end up in heaven and be with Jesus throughout eternity. It's just amazing, the gravity of these truths. That's why we never want to be flippant around these things. We want to be very, I'm not saying that we need to be serious. you know. We can be joyful around these things, uh, uh, but, but never, never take it lightly and never to sort of be, be flippant in any way. Um, so again, it is by the wounds that were inflicted on Jesus' body that healing is available today. He says, by his stripes, you were healed. And what's interesting here is, when it says, by whose stripes you were healed, this is not supposed to be an English lesson, but, you know, we we got in every language, you got past, present, and future. Were is past. By his stripes, you were healed. In God's mind, healing is a done deal. All right? I know that people are are trying to receive their healing, and they're trying to get it, but in God's mind, it's a done deal. All right? Let me uh, go into the book of Isaiah, chapter 53, um, and uh, establish the same two things that we are talking about, uh, uh, in, which means salvation and, uh, of, for our soul and healing for our body, is well documented and established here in Isaiah chapter 53. Now, I remember one of the churches that I was in when Vanessa and I first you know, got saved, and, and the minister there used to call Isaiah 53 as a chapter. He called it the fifth gospel, meaning that... Uh, you got the four Gospels in the New Testament, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, and it all speaks about the life of Jesus Christ from birth to death and everything he did in between and everything that was visible to the naked eye when they finally ripped him and then hung him to the cross and everything that they saw with their physical eyes. But Isaiah didn't see it with his physical eyes. He looked into the realm of the Spirit and God showed him exactly what Jesus Christ went through. Isaiah 53 is a whole chapter, speaks about Jesus Christ from woe to go, from beginning to end. Actually, very short, we'll see. Uh, The latter part of Isaiah 52 already speaks about Jesus Christ, who is called the servant. Um, Many Bibles, uh, uh, when you get to that part in your Bible reading, you will see a heading there. It's called the suffering servant, the suffering servant uh, who suffered, and he's called the servant. uh, But, of course, that's not his only description. He's also the son, and that's not his only description. He's also the mighty God, all right? So there's layers and layers to this thing. But here in Isaiah 53 and in verse 4, I want to pick the story up. I'd love to have the time to go through the whole chapter point by point, but we haven't got that much time. So let's pick up here in in verse 4. It says, Surely our sicknesses he has borne, and our pains he has carried. And we, we have esteemed him plagued, smitten of God, and afflicted and absolutely when Jesus was hung on the cross and for the most part the majority of the people that stood to watch they said oh gosh you know God's really laying it on him he must have been a terrible person all right they considered him stricken and smitten of God Uh, and their thinking was he's a criminal but the reality is humanity is the criminal And our crimes were laid upon him who is our substitute, you see. Smitten of God and afflicted, verse 5, and he was pierced for our transgression. Pierced meaning that they pierced his hands and his feet when they finally hung him to the cross. For our, not for his, he didn't have any transgression. Transgression is another word for sin. It's talking about breaking the law, breaking God's laws. Um, uh, Pierced for our transgressions, bruised for our iniquities. Here he uses the word bruising. Uh, In other translations it speaks about the wounds and in another portion of the Bible it speaks about the stripes. Reference to the same thing. Um, He says, and the chastisement of our peace is upon him and by his bruise there is healing to us. By his bruise, there is healing to us. All right, so it's well established um, that this is speaking about Jesus Christ uh, himself. And uh, the interesting thing is that uh, Jewish theology today and ever since that time, they're looking at this and they can't figure it out because they're waiting for a king to arrive. But he speaks about a suffering servant. And they, they have established uh, a kind of a theology that this is two different people. But no, it's the same person with two different functions, if you like, different, pa- different parts in his journey of ultimately becoming the king of kings and the lord of lords. Surely, verse 4, our sicknesses he has borne and our pains he has carried them. It's interesting that some translations they use the word grief um, and uh, grief and sorrow um, which are weak words for what really everything he carried. You know healing in the body of Christ today is well established across the church world uh, both in the Pentecostal world and the charismatic world and even in what we might call traditional churches. It's well established. But Vanessa and I were young Christians. There were still groupings and movements that spoke against divine healing. They said no, it is not available. It is not for us today. They acknowledged the miracles that the apostles did, uh, but it is no longer available today. So that was still like a deal that was going around uh, back then. So some of our earlier teaching uh, around the Area of healing was to kind of counter you know those lies and everything whereas now healing is very well established uh, uh, as a whole across the church world but you know you have You have ministries that have arisen uh, uh, in the last century. One of those, for example, would be be the Full Gospel Businessmen's Association. And they call themselves Full Gospel rather than Part Gospel. Because any Christian that believes in just salvation and going to heaven, that's part of the Gospel. But if you believe in the baptism of the Holy Spirit, you believe in divine healing today. You believe in divine uh, prosperity today. then you believe in the Full Gospel. Rather than in a part of the gospel, all right, and that's why you know we call ourselves we call ourselves uh, uh, Pentecostal believers because we believe in Pentecost. Um, we just. Hey, Pentecost uh, was it end of May? what that was, I wanted to speak about Pentecost and the baptism of the Holy Spirit, but suddenly we got busy with other things. But I will come back to that because this is a very, very important part that you and I are Spirit filled today, which is an additional blessing beyond the blessing of salvation. But let's stick with healing. We're talking about healing today, all right? So, so um, he says, our sicknesses he has borne, our pains he has carried, and uh, if you can imagine, all the sicknesses of the world, past, present, future, all the pains that anybody would ever experience, all the plagues, everything bundled up into a package, it was all laid on Jesus, and the physical expression of that was, when they captured him, and uh, finally, when you know he was before Pilate and then Pilate because of peer pressure, condemned him to death, and gave him to his soldiers to take him away uh, to be to be scourged, what the Bible calls to be scourged and then crucified. But when they finally you know gathered him together in a, in, in, in a certain place, and then they started to to mock him and 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 abuse him. Um, the Bible says that they plucked out his beard. They hit him in the head. Um, they pushed a the crown of thorns on his on his head to mock him because they said, oh, here's the king, oh, a king needs a crown, let's make him a crown, and they pushed that crown of thorn on his head. Uh, then they took reeds, uh, the Bible says reeds, which were kind of, you know, flexible reeds, uh, uh, and they beat him with those. Um, and if anybody has ever seen the movie called The Passion of the Christ, that is no understatement of what really took place. Uh, that would be my estimation of, somewhat understanding the scripture and having read the scriptures and studied the scriptures and everything that took place, that passion of the Christ would be the most vivid uh, remake of what really took place. They beat him with those reeds and then they used to take people and hang them, uh, should tie them rather to a pole with their arms up uh, tied to the pole and then they would take a whip which was basically a great big handle uh, with about a dozen or so of leather straps attached to it, uh, and at the ends of those leather straps, there were bits of bone and bits of metal attached to it, and they would stand back, and then they would start whipping, and they would whip, and as these whips would, would wrap themselves around Jesus' body, they would yank it back out again, and not just to leave a bruise, but to gouge and to make a total mess of His body. And that's exactly what they did. And that was, if you like, the physical suffering that Jesus went through in order to, it's the word that I'm looking for, when God laid all the sicknesses, all the diseases, all the pains on Jesus. This is what he experienced in order to, for divine justice to be satisfied. Poor um, oh. He was bruised for our transgression, bruised for our iniquity. And by his bruise, there's healing for us. Why is there healing for us by his bruise? Because, like we said before, God the Father made Jesus Christ, his son, sick on our behalf sacrificially, vicariously, so that we could be healed today. And Isaiah, let me just move quickly, uh, Isaiah 53 verse 10, it goes on to say, it's still part of that same chapter, it says, Yet it was the will of the Lord to bruise him. What took place with Jesus was no accident there's nothing random about it. It's everything that Isaiah prophesied some seven centuries before it finally took place. It says, and when you and he make his life an offering for sin, this is reference to Jesus, that his life was made the offering, the sacrifice, if you like, uh, to purchase uh, uh, to purchase you know, uh, salvation from sin. He says, he is risen from the dead in time to come. He shall see his spiritual offspring. He shall prolong his days, and the will and the pleasure of the Lord shall prosper in his hand. Prophecy, as I read it and see it, I find that uh, sometimes there's things sort of rolled in there that speak future and then further future all in, rolled into one sentence. Um, and the Bible definitely, we need to read the Bible with a sense of past, present, and future rather than to single out one present moment. Uh, uh, as I said, we need to read it with that understanding. Um, and uh, again, it says it, it says it was the will of the Father to bruise him. That was God's will. even before Jesus left heaven, when he was in heaven with the Father and with the Holy Spirit, he was called the Word of God, part of the Trinity. At some point, the Trinity sat down, and that's just a guess on my part, whether they sat or stood, I do not know. But they had a conference, and they said, we're going to make man." And if and when anything goes wrong, who will go to earth to put it right? And somehow, Jesus must have put up his hand because the Bible says that the plan of salvation is it Ephesians. The plan of salvation was established before the foundation of the world. It was already worked out. So this is not random. This is not something because, you know, the Pharisees got mean or, or Pilate got angry. It was all just rolling it out just as God had planned and anticipated. And interesting is it Jesus that said, it says, he said that, you know, the will of God must be done. You know, offense must come. He says, this must happen, but woe to him. He says, through whom he comes. Judgment will definitely come on these people, even though in a roundabout way they carried out the will of God. It was, as it says here, the will of the Father to bruise Jesus. He, meaning the Father, has put Jesus to grief and made him sick. And again, uh, to reiterate what we've already said, that the Father made Jesus sick with every sickness known to man so that you and I can be healed no matter what sickness or disease or ailment that we might be uh, standing against. Verse, Isaiah 52, verse 13. It says in here, this is the latter part of the previous chapter now, Isaiah 52. The Lord says, See, my servant will act wisely. This is now the father speaking about his son called the servant, meaning Jesus, He will act wisely. People will greatly honor and respect him. Now, that's future. All right? Now, we we greatly honor and respect him today, but humanity as as a whole does not respect and honor him like it's going to come. It says, and many people were shocked when they saw him. This is speaking about people that were alive when Jesus Christ was crucified and they watched the whole deal. So you see how prophecy bounces around and sometimes with, with uh, you know, uh, the Milena in between all rolled into one sentence. Many were shocked when they saw him. His appearance was so, so damaged that he did not look like a man. His form was so changed that they could barely tell that he was a human. So again, this describes the end result, the summary of everything that Jesus went through in between the time that he was released from Pilate's court, go and scourge him and and then crucify him to the the time that he was literally hung on the cross. Everything that they inflicted on him uh, during that time the Bible says that his appearance, one translation says his visage was so marred, it was so damaged from all the beatings and all the use and all the abuse that it no longer looked like a man. It was, if you like, a mass of flesh and bone being hung on the cross. His form, it says, it was so changed that they could barely tell that he was human. So presumably some of the people that saw Jesus on the cross in the mess that he was in, they would have seen him before. They knew what he looked like. Now they didn't recognize him anymore. And uh, just quickly bouncing into the New Testament, uh, a couple more scriptures and then we are done. Matthew 8 verse 14 Uh, This passage here uh, is a New Testament scripture that confirms that Isaiah 53 was definitely speaking about Jesus Christ uh, and nobody else. It says in verse 14 that Jesus went to Peter's house and there he saw Peter's mother-in-law sick in bed with a fever and he touched her hand and the fever left her and she got up and she began to wait on them or on him. All right, so here's Peter, his uh, mother-in-law, lying in bed. She's got a fever. She's got sickness. Jesus just touched her. The fever left her, uh, and she got healed. Like everybody else in the Old Testament, she got healed on credit. This is the beginning of Jesus' ministry. Some three and a half years later, he was going to pay for that healing and all the other healings that have taken place, past and that will take place In the future. And when evening came, people brought to Jesus many who were who had demons in them, and Jesus drove out the evil spirits with a word and healed all who were sick. And he did this to make what Prophet Isaiah had said come true. He himself, and this is now a quote from Isaiah, he himself, who is he? The suffering servant, meaning Jesus Christ. He himself took our sickness and carried away our diseases. So, like here is Jesus stepping uh, into the very thing that he's come for. um, And in fact, uh, for the... At age 30, when he entered his public ministry, which lasted about three, three and a half years, um, he came teaching, preaching healing. Teaching, preaching healing. And healing included casting out demons. Teaching, preaching healing. He went through that over and over, went from town to town, village to village, city, place to place. Went through, cycled through those things, teaching, preaching healing. Um, And in the end, he rode into Jerusalem, and he knew exactly that was his final journey into Jerusalem. Um, that you know, the final journey that he would he would have going in there uh, prior to his you know suffering and his crucifixion. And by healing all the people's physical ailments, he demonstrated bodily healing available as a result of what Isaiah had prophesied about seven centuries earlier. And and what Jesus was going to pay for at that moment, we're in Matthew chapter 8, would that be very much in the early part of his three and a half year public ministry. Three years, three and a half years later, he was going to pay for that healing. Uh, And as we said, every other healing, past, present, or future. And uh, finally, healing is... uh, as easy as salvation, according to Jesus. And here in Matthew 9, very next chapter, it says, verse 1, that Jesus got into a boat, crossed over, and came to his own city. Then behold, they brought to him a paralytic lying on a bed. And when Jesus saw their faith, he said to the paralytic, Son, be of good cheer, your sins are forgiven you. And at once... Some of the uh, scribes said within themselves, this man blasphemes. But Jesus, knowing their thoughts, he said, why do you think evil in your hearts? For which is easier to say your sins are forgiven you or to say, arise and walk, but that you may know that the Son of Man has power on earth to forgive sins? He said to the paralytic, arise, take up your bed and go to your house. And he arose and he he departed to his house. Now when the multitude saw it, they marveled and they glorified God who had given such power to men. You see how Jesus is using forgiveness of sins, meaning salvation and healing for the body like interchangeably just swaps it around. It is, it is, it is which is easier to, to say this or to say that? Which is easier? What's interesting is that uh, in another gospel, we're reading that uh, Jesus was in, 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 in a house and uh, there was such crowds in there and the scribes were gathered together which were the religious, part of the religious elite at the time together with the Pharisees and the Sadducees and other people were there. It was so chocker that there were some friends that carried their paralytic friend to bring him to Jesus, they couldn't get into the house. The place was chocker. So what they did was they climbed up on the roof, uh, presumably flat roofs in those days. They lifted the ceiling tiles and with some ropes, they attached those ropes to the stretcher and, and let the men write down in front of Jesus. It was really like, like, what a deal! And the Bible, the Bible says, says when Jesus saw their faith. Now, there's a very important statement here. And see, faith can be heard by what we say, and faith can be seen by what we do. And I just had a sense of revelation here, uh, and just submit that to you that they brought their friend to Jesus to be healed, and healed he was. Jesus saw their faith. When people get up, and many times we, we do towards the end of a service, if anybody needs prayer, the moment you get up and you walk down, you come down with an expectation to be healed or to be delivered, God sees your faith. You don't have to jump through multiple hoops, as it were, to kind of that, finally, you might, you know, qualify for healing because everybody qualifies for healing today because Jesus has already done the hard part. Jesus saw their faith; that was like so significant. All right. So he, first of all, uh, Bible says, uh, "Some be of good cheer; your sins are forgiven you." And of course, the Pharisees or scribes, specifically, they were all the same bunch. Uh, uh, they were offended uh, at Jesus giving, you know, forgiving the man. It's like only God can forgive sins, because Jesus knew He was God, uh, and uh, and uh, and they said this man blasphemes. Um, and uh, uh, but Jesus said in verse five, He says, "Which is easier, to say your sins are forgiven you, or arise and walk? The first one dealing with salvation." The other one dealing with healing. He says, which is easier? He said to them. So in other words, Jesus says, it is as easy to get saved as it is to get healed. He says, it's just as long as there's faith. All right. And of course, uh, both salvation for our souls and healing for our body are available today. It's not hard for us today because Jesus has done the hard part. And at this point in time, we want to end the message here to say that, you know, Jesus is looking for faith in our hearts. Uh, if anybody's here today and you need salvation, then stretch out your faith toward God. Uh, uh, call on his name. The Bible says, call on the name of the Lord and be saved. Um, if anybody needs healing in their body, if you've got faith in your heart, and you do because the Bible says faith comes by hearing. Reach out and receive it and let the Lord heal you today. Thanks for watching Victory Christian Center. For more content, please subscribe to our YouTube channel or you can subscribe to our podcasts on Spotify, iTunes or Google Podcasts. Check out our website at victory.net.nz. We'll see you again soon.